Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you're making it a good one. We know that we are as well. Massive show in store for you tonight as we are guessing it up double time here tonight. Stefan Kreischnick, who covers Mississippi State for the Clarion Ledger, joins us at 7.30. Zach Nagy joins us at 7.50. A lot of LSU versus Mississippi State. Here tonight, we got player availabilities. We're going to go do our Mississippi State preview. A lot of LSU stuff to get in here to tonight. We even got a Rafino's rant about how the NCAA is absolutely Rudy Poo. Again, lots and lots and lots of things to get in here to tonight. And as we do every Tuesday and Thursday, hashtag Ask Blake thoughts, questions, concerns. You can put them inside the Rudy Crew chat, and we get to as many of those questions as we can. So a very, very big show in store for you here tonight. Looking forward to it. You know what's interesting? Um, what's very interesting is at some point the the wall of the lack of of competence in the institution known as the NCAA will come down. And I am here for that day whenever that day comes. The simple fact that we have to run out here and talk about um, a wide receiver or even Mason Smith, for that matter, in reference to the NCAA being Rudy Poos is a big thing. But it's time that somebody stands up and does something because it's getting out of hand. We are too quick. Like, this world just doesn't make sense to me sometimes. 
It just, there's no common sense anymore. You know, like you start seeing some of the things that are coming out about Mel Tucker and, you know, people were trying to and have uh, um, already convicted him. And now there are reports coming out that it was consensual. So, I, you know, I, I just don't get it. I, I, I 1,000% don't get some of the things that go on in this world. You know, you got Rick Patino still coaching college basketball when he had hookers and cocaine on campus and players were partying like it was the Showtime Lakers. I don't know if any of you are watching that show on HBO, by the way, with Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Uh, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. A pretty good watch. Um, but it just it gets to my point where we need a commissioner. We need a commissioner. Also, Mississippi State. Listen, listen to your boy here. Do I think you're going to win Saturday? Yeah, I do. One hundred percent. I think that you're going to win. Nathaniel Watson and Jed Johnson are dudes. Sean Preston has been a dude this year. Marks for Mississippi State, uh, Jaquavius, Jaquavius Marks. Um, their running back has been a dude. Guys, he's already at 250 rushing yards, two, two games in. I, I mean, that's ridiculous. Already has eight catches, 91 yards. So pushing 300 yards of total offense in two games, that's in- incredible. He has three rushing touchdowns already. So you got your 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 hands full this weekend. We'll talk about them in our preview and what I think LSU needs to do to stop both um, them offensively and defensively. We'll get into that uh, greatly tonight. So a lot to get into. Um, we got Covington. In the house here tonight, Ingrid says, Blake, we will win this weekend with the tongue face emoji, or I think, I don't know what you call that emoji. I don't, I, 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 it, forgive me for not knowing the proper usage. She also says central Louisiana is in the house. We talking about like central BR central, like. East Baton Rouge Central. Central is in the house. You got to love it. Where is everybody listening to us from tonight? You got Don says, what's up, Blake? Seminary, Mississippi is in the house. Raised in Morgan City, though. Love the show. You got to love it. You got to love it. Kevin Bear says, League City, Texas. That's not Kevin. There's Kevin. Uh, but League City, Texas is in the house. Good to have League City in here. Jason Dooley says, go Tigers from Roswell, Georgia. It's a burb in Atlanta. Uh, Jason, my brother lives in Woodstock, I believe it is. Yeah, Woodstock. We go up there um, every now and then. But yeah, they they live in a burb too in their Atlanta. Was it Bankhead Buckhead? I went to Buckhead one time in my life. Everybody was driving a Range Rover. I was driving a, 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 a mom van. Megan doesn't have a van. She has a Traverse. She wants a van. Should I give me a thumbs up in the chat if you think I? My wife wants a minivan. Should my wife? Should we get my wife a minivan? Two kids. 
Should Megan get a minivan? That should be the poll question of the night. You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm actually going to do? I'm going to put this inside the chat of a poll. Let's do a poll. Start a poll. Should should Megan get a minivan? (laughs) She's going to kill me for this, but... Let's start the poll here on YouTube. Okay. We got a lot to get into here tonight. Uh, Adam says, the big town of Summerall, Mississippi. Albuquerque says, Jordan, hey, Dad. Gerald says, Foley, Gulf Shores checking in. How's the weather over there, my man? Raceland is in the building. Uh, Jerry Covington says, he's live from Council Bluffs, Iowa, Northeast. Louisiana top of the boot. Council Bluffs is in the building. Yeah, Council Bluffs is, uh, oh, got a lot of thumbs downs up in here. No minivan. Danny Snow says, though, we love our minivan. Karen Crow's in the house. Gulfport, Mississippi. Clayton, North Carolina. Our buddy Tony says he's in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Yeah, my man's out there working, trying to make that paper, man trying to make that paper good to have you in here tony um speaking of a lot of places um here in the great state it is with deep sadness um a place here locally in saint helena um they had a school shooting today and a family friend of ours lost his son Check on your kids, man. Check on your kids. So to the community of St. Helena, to the Gordon family, we're praying for you, man. We're praying for you. I, I cannot I, I, I cannot mentally process what the Gordon family is going through. I, I, I can't. Like, I, I can't fathom it. If you want to, I do not care who you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care your political beliefs. I don't care your skin color. I don't care about anything. Nothing. Absolute, there is abs, and then we had, we've had some issues with, you know, shootings at, at foot, high school football games. Are you that big of an idiot? Are you that big of an idiot? Come on, man. High school people, high school kids can be rough, and bullying is not something that should be tolerated. But come on, man. People are losing their lives over this stupid shit. You're bringing a gun because you think you're badass? Bro, put the gun down. Put up your dukes and see what happens. Like, Jesus Christ, man. To the Gordon family, we're praying for you. Um... My God. Why? <sighs> Jeez. Brandon Graziano says, we love our minivan. We got three kids. Yeah, minivans are... I'm starting to like them. Shade Nobles Terrio says, 
uh, I don't know how to say that. Defunic Springs, Florida. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Let's get. <laughs> oh, my man says live from Budapest. C. King's in Budapest. C. King, you really in Budapest? Hey, the reason I ask him that is because this man right here is so rich. He probably is in Budapest. You know what I mean? Like, look, and look at the hat he's got on. My man's smart, too. He's a Yankees fan. <laughs> uh, good to have you in the building here, too, as well. See, all right, let's get rolling. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. Share to all of those social media pages. If you're listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, and notification bell. Wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on Fubo TV, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's do this. Let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Good friends over at GM Varno and Sons. We got a lot to get into here tonight. Let's break down Mississippi State. Ste- uh, Stefan Kreisnick joins us in about 50, or about 17 minutes uh, from right now. And we'll talk to him. He'll break him down as well. Let's get into it, man. It's going to be fun. Stay with us. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Varno and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales, no job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs right then. Again, GM Varno and Sons, go see them over at 2500 Fuller Boulevard. Give them a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9992. Tell them your good friend, Play Rafina. Sit you on by. We're back. Let's get this thing rolling, man. Let's get this thing started. All right. So listen, not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't have a lot of time to talk on this because we got a lot to talk about in our handy dandy notebook right here on all the film breakdown and all the things that we've seen so far this year from Mississippi State. Number one, the NCAA came out with, in case you missed it, the NCAA came out today with um, a letter to North Carolina because in case you missed that too, their best wide receiver on their team, Tez, uh, why is his name slipping my mind? Y'all help me in the chat. Now I got to go get it. I didn't even write the kid's name down. Regardless, regardless, (laughs) help me in the chat. Why did I not write the kid's name down? 
the NCAA came back and said that their lives had been uh, threatened in reference to some of the rulings that they've made. Tez Walker, thank you. Tez Walker, uh, yeah, Tez Walker, thank you. I don't know why I was, it slipped me. I don't know why in my notes right here in the, in the right-hand side I didn't write it down. Tez Walker got suspended or got suspended for the year or was not ruled eligible for the year. Now, and I read the letter from the NCAA, and basically what they talked about in this letter was, oh, well, our lives are being threatened, and, you know, it, it, we did, we do exactly what we think is the best for the institutions of college athletics. No, you don't, because if it was, you'd let the kid play. He lost a season when COVID happened. In his freshman year, he didn't play because his team forfeited the season. He transfers somewhere else because they forfeited a season. They didn't want to play anymore. He goes somewhere else to play football. He gets better, goes into the portal. Everybody and their mama wants him. And he goes to back home to North Carolina and you suspend him. You don't make him eligible for the year. Mason Smith, three weeks before quote-unquote NIL is legal, which, by the way, if you talk to any attorney, anybody with a legal background, what's got two thumbs and has one of those, if you talk to anybody with a legal background, the day that the Supreme Court said in the Ed O'Bannon case that NIL is legal just because the state does not have any provisions over it doesn't make it illegal. And by the way, the Mason Smith game one suspension should have never happened, but they gave to LSU so late that legally they couldn't fight it because that's what they do. They know what they're doing. Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, had a chance to make college athletics better. Charlie, as a great uh, WWE wrestler, Kurt Angle would say, you suck. You suck. You're a governor from Massachusetts, bud. You're literally one of the worst. You don't have to be a Democrat or Republican or whatever. You don't even have to be in a, a politician, a career politician at that. Tess Walker should play. Tess Walker should play. I will continue to say this at every chance on this show that I get an availability to do so. We need commissioners in sports. What, what do you really think that a commissioner is worse than the NCAA? Can a commissioner really be worse than what the NCAA is right now? No. None. Zero. You know, you want to regulate the transfer portal. Meanwhile, the, the literally, the Supreme Court says that you can't tell people where they can and can't go. Can you have provisions? Yes. Can you have some rulings? Yes. But he based his ruling off of everything that you had given him guidelines step by step. It's why I just don't ever understand why common sense always walks out the door, man. I, I, I don't I don't get it. I never get it. 
But I guess I'm just a talking head on a sports show that ha- that sits here and says, hey, what, when is common sense going to ever prevail? Because it seems like in our world and society, that is few and far between sometimes when big decisions have to be made. Tez Walker, man, I'm sorry that you lost your your junior year, man. You're, I mean, you can go into the draft, and I hope you do. I hope you make a lot of money. But this show and this fan base, I guarantee you, stands with you, man. Everybody stands with you. Sorry that you had to lose your year because some some dude with a in a sports coat sitting in a you know in a sports car who's been a career politician his whole life, never played football, never played basketball, never played baseball, a day in his life has to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Sorry. All right. Let's move on. Listen. Listen. Over the last three days, we've done a lot of film breakdown on Mississippi State. They're not a bad team, y'all. Don't let that overtime win against Arizona fool you. Don't let it fool you. They're a good team. I went back today before the show and started a little last night and went back and watched last year's game. Man, you know what I continue to think about in that game that um, from last year that I look into this year and say, man, is this a clone of itself? A lot of the same things were happening. Where's Harold Perkins? Can we tackle in the open field? Can we get a pass rush? Our DBs aren't playing that great. Sound familiar? Does that sound familiar at all? Because if it does, a year ago, you were in a lot of the same situations. Colby Richardson giving a, 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 a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Now, I know you get. I guess you could technically say that about Denver Harris last week, or that the secondary and this team didn't tackle well. But you know what really uh, is interesting? After that win against Mississippi State at home, th- that team started getting a lot better. Is it going to happen here? You know what's also interesting? You had one sack or two sacks really uh, against Southern or going into this game a year ago. Last year, you got after the quarterback. Matt House was very creative. He used a lot of stunts, a lot of twists. It's a different team and a different kind of scheme. I told you earlier in the show, and it bears repeating, that Mississippi State's philosophy offensively has completely, I don't want to say done a 180, but to some extent it has. You have a guy who, and Will Rogers a year ago, used to average maybe 40, 45 passing attempts a game through two games he's only averaging 23 he's got 46 attempts on the year Mississippi State's running a not really two quarterback system think of it for a lot of you Saints fans kind of like a Taysom Hill with Mike Wright he has six carries on the year 92 yards but Jaquavius Marks is where their their bread and butter has been made this season so far in the running game They're going to be in pistol. They're going to run zone reads. They're going to run outside zone. They're going to run inside zone. They're going to pull their guards. They're going to hit the little fake screen 
and come back with a little inside run on the outside. So your safety has to sit up in the corner and can't come down in the box on the run. A lot of different things that they want to do inside the running game. But th- I think that they know ultimately that they're not going to be able to run the ball all like that this week. Yes, this LSU has some issues. Yeah, they, they've had some issues here and there. I'm going to tell you something, man. And I, I started hearing this a little bit yesterday. Started hearing it again today. I think we're going to see some differences from the execution in LSU this week on this defense, especially in the front end. Back end, you, I can hear anything, anything, all the live long day at this point they're going to have to show me. But they did a year ago. They did a year ago. This was game in the second half was Jaden Daniels' coming out party to LSU fans to some extent. If you remember, he had a fumble early, but then late in that game to win the game for you, really and truly to win the game. Now that everything's behind us, the slot fade to Malik Neighbors was probably the biggest throw that he had made, obviously, until that point, but could arguably be the biggest throw that he had made in his entire LSU career not named Alabama when it comes to crunch time, the beauty of the throw. This game turned a lot around for you a year ago. Now, you would get blown out by Tennessee, but you started getting better, and this was a massive turning point. But like our buddy Carter said last night, this team is going to have to start off a little bit faster. They have the last two weeks. So defensively they hadn't been bad can you put a four-quarter game together that has been the bugaboo for you boy isn't that a white person thing to say a bugaboo offensively they're not great along the offensive line in my opinion through two games I've seen southeastern and Arizona defensive linemen do things that they should not be able to do against SEC offensive linemen I've seen Will Rogers making check uh, checks at the line, and he has been highly efficient. When he got rolling against Arizona State, he really got rolling. Expect a lot of bootlegs, a lot of throws to the running backs. That is their game. That is their game. If Denver Harris, as Brian Kelly said, is his thing is press man-to-man coverage, well, this is the game for him. Because you're going to have to play a lot of man-to-man. This is my game plan. You're going to have to play a lot of man-to-man on the outside early to stop that run early as well. Put more guys in the box. Be creative. And send some blitzes. You know, I I think LSU sent four or five blitzes this past weekend. You're going to have to send more. Didn't send a whole hell of a lot against Florida State. You're going to have to send more there. You're going to have to get in those run fits. But I think ultimately when it comes down to it, I think that you're prepared to beat this team. Now, I do agree with Brian Kelly on the biggest thing here. You got to be locked in and focused. An 11 a.m. kick start time does change your dynamic of what you need to do. There's no, you know, LSU's played two night games so far. Or two games at 6 p.m.-ish. Now you're going into an atmosphere on the road, Early morning, you know, they're having breakfast breakfast at 7.20 a.m. or I think is what Brian Kelly had said in the in his uh, media availability yesterday. 
It's an early morning for kids who probably don't always wake up that early. Got to be locked in and focused. Defensively, as crazy as this sounds, I do want to see Mississippi State State's offense actually do something against a team that's probably got more athletes than they've seen and that's worth a damn. But defensively, man, I, I got to admit, they have dudes. They Mississippi State always has solid dudes defensively. Doesn't stop here. I look at the I look at Nate Watson, the one of the middle linebackers. I look at Jed Johnson. Guys, both Watson has 18 tackles on the year. He has uh, one and a half sacks. Johnson has 17 tackles on the year, two sacks. Uh, combined, they have three interceptions combined between the both of them. All of those happened last week against Arizona. Sean Preston, the Louisiana native, had an interception and a forced fumble last week. They tackle, excuse me, they tackle really, really, really well in space. Really well in space. So, you're, I'm not saying that offensively this is a bad matchup for you because offensively you haven't been too bad. You've been pretty consistent through two games, but, but the thing that when I look at Mississippi State and start asking questions, hey, man, you're going to see a lot of exotic blisses from Zach Arnett with an all-line that, I mean, when you're not playing Grambling, look, Florida State did not, it did not look fantastic. This game, to me, from an offensive standpoint, is going to be more mental than it is physical when it comes to LSU's offense versus uh, Mississippi State's defense. You're going to have to get Jane out on the edges and running. I know through two games you've wanted him to sit back in the pocket and throw it around. And to his credit, man, he has. He's on pace. Here's what's crazy. What's crazy is through two games, Jane Daniels is on pace to have a 4,000-yard season, right? I don't think in this game to win, you're going to be able to do that. Now, we just talked about the linebackers. We talked about Johnson. We talked about Watson. They need to start a podcast and call it uh, Watson and Johnson. I should probably get that trademark and copyrighted, right? You're going to have to run your quarterback, and Jaden's going to have to hit the perimeter. That is how you're going to win. You cannot allow your Ferrari to sit in the garage. You don't buy a sports car to sit that sucker in the garage or a parking lot. You don't. You buy it to ride that thing. They see me rolling. They hate it like your chameleon air. Mississippi State defensively, man, they're a really good team. When we turn on the when the when the team last night got and the guys would attest to this, when we turned on that all twenty two copy last night, and I think we got one on Sunday. Defensively, they're not a joke. They're disciplined. They know what they where they need to be defensively. Jed Johnson's going to come off the edge on a lot of blitzes. You have to be fundamentally sound. All the shizite that Brian Kelly has talked about this week, he is not lying. He is 1,000% spot on. The team that is the most disciplined in this game, I think, is going to win. We'll find out. All right. Stefan Kreisnick. See, last year, at this time, I got his first name right or wrong and his last name right. Isn't that just par for the course on this show? 
We are 771 episodes into this thing. Par for the course, man. All right. Let's talk about our good friend Tyler Alexander over at EXP Realty. Our good friend Kara Foss over at State Farm. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. Let's talk some more Mississippi State versus LSU. We do that next. He will sell your house and find you a new. Well, Tyler's the man. He's here for you. If you want to buy or sell, well, it's not too late. Dial 955-0008. Just call 955-0008. Y'all call Tyler. He'll shoot you straight. Guys, you might know my good friend Carol Falls and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? Along with a great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer all applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirement. You know, a year ago, Stefan, I got your name, your first name wrong and your last name right. But Stefan Kreisnick, there we go. See, it only took me a year to get your name right, man. How are you tonight, though? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. You know, with uh, with the SEC doing away with divisions and, and LSU not playing Mississippi State anymore, um, at least every season, it's uh, it's going to be more of a test if there's a couple years gap where you have to try to remember my name instead. Well, I, I will say this. I will say this. If the game is on the road, I'm not going to be envious of playing you because I cannot stand the cowbell. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> but, look, I, I, I remember, you know, so, Stefan, the first game that – one of the first games I ever went to in 2000, LeBrandon Tofield scored late – and Nick Saban was the head coach. People were storming the field, LSU versus Mississippi State in Death Valley. And I'm a chubby fat kid running the field trying to grab a lock of Saban's hair, man. Now, 23 years later, okay, I mean, the man's getting beat by Texas. I mean, this game has meant a lot to both both programs, though. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's a, it's a rivalry that goes back, you know, so long and, and so, memory, so many memorable games. You know, obviously – in recent history, LSU's, you know, had some success and, and had their stretch where they really dominated Mississippi State. But, you know, you think back to, to people who have been rooting for State or for LSU since, you know, the, the 40s and the 50s, you know, that are still going to games today. It's it's pretty impressive, you know, how deep this rivalry has gone. And, and it is one of the downsides. You know, there's pros and cons to the, the realignment and the changes and things like that. But, you know, losing rivalries like this every year, um, that's certainly something that's going to be missed. I greatly, greatly agree. And you know what's interesting about that, too? LSU doesn't play Auburn. I mean, like that – I don't like it, but if it does mean that we get to shut some Texas fans up potentially, <laughs> I, I, I might make an exception. All right. Stephen, let me ask you this. Um, We got an all-22 copy of the game from this past weekend against Arizona. And I was like, I heard, you know, the chatter, you know, okay, Mississippi State, it, they look different offensively. I'm like, well, no crap. You know, like, I mean, unfortunately, Mike Leach passed away. Very unfortunate. 
Yeah, okay, but they're not going to completely do a 180 offensively. Boy, was I wrong. Can you give our listeners – I mean, look, you've gone from air raid to running the ball downhill with marks and these backs. I think five backs played last week. Can you give our listeners just like what is going on offensively in Starkville? Yeah, I think a lot of us are still trying to figure it out because, you know, I think like you – um, we expected a, a shift for this Mississippi State offense. We expected a more balanced attack. Um, it, it was kind of, it's been kind of surprising to see them be really run first um, here in the early parts of the season. What I will say though, and, and what could change against LSU is, uh, first of all, I wouldn't predict Will Rogers to ever throw only 17 passes again <laughs> in the game. I think, right. I think that, that's a bit of an anomaly there. You know, Kevin Barbe, the, the new offensive coordinator, talked a lot about this past Arizona game and, and really you know, put some blame on himself for, you know, that game being close. State had some chances early to, to pull away. And, um, you know, they had success with some runs. You know, they were gashing five, six, seven-yard runs against, you know, an Arizona defensive line where Mississippi State, I think, being an SEC school, you know, felt they had an advantage there in the trenches. Um, but, you know, they were having success in that, that they started leaning on a little bit too much and got a bit too predictable um, and really got way more run-heavy than I think we ever expected this offense to get this year. And I think that's going to change. Um, when LSU and, and SEC play kind of ramps up, you can't be so one-dimensional. I mean, frankly, either way, um, you know, when right. you're playing against competition like that. But I think especially, um, you know, after what they did last week, I'd expect more of a balanced attack moving forward. But like you said, it's been surprising to see. Uh, you, you check the stats after two weeks, and Mississippi State's number two in the SEC in rushing yards. It's, it's been a minute since we saw that. Well, I mean, since Mullen, what was it, Dak Prescott, Josh uh, Robinson, by the way, Louisiana kid from my yeah. – uh, alma mater. But you know what's interesting, though? They're having success doing it, though, right? I mean, Marks, yep. he scored against LSU last year. Uh, why Elite's got away from him, I'm like, this kid's the best back on the team. But, man, he – you know what's crazy? I, I look at him, and, and I could say at the end of the year, this kid could be an all-SEC back. He is that good. Have you been surprised about his explosiveness and how good he's looked through two games? Yeah, yes and no. No in the sense that we saw spurts of it in the air raid, and we saw, you know, you look back to some of those games. I mean, early in that game against LSU, State was having success running the ball, right? And we saw that you can still do the air raid, and you can pass it a lot, but having a, at least, you know, 20 rushes a game or something like that, that's when it's that offense was kind of at its best. That's when it was a bit more balanced um, with, with Jaquavius Mark kind of leaving, leading the pack there. They also had Dylan Johnson, who's now at Washington, but – the, the question that I had for Marks going into this season, and, and they felt like they had depth at running back, so I thought maybe he wouldn't be as much of a, a workhorse as he has been. Um, I, I wasn't sure how he would transition from going to his role in the air raid to having, you know, 19, 20 carries in the game along with, I think against Arizona he had four receptions, so he's still kind of, you know, taking part in, in that side of the offense as well. I was curious to see how he would handle the workload, and he's done a great job with it so far, right? right. He's shown do it he you know he said after the after week one against southeastern louisiana you know he could feel himself getting winded a little bit but he mm -hmm. felt that as the year went on as he kind of experienced kind of being in games like that and having that workload that he'd get better uh, as the year went on i mean he proved that in that you know week two game against arizona and now as you know the defensive line start to ramp up the competition ramps up it's going to be interesting to watch him play but like you said I mean, at this point of the season it, it'd be hard to say he's not the first team sec running back right uh it would name the other you know, like, yeah. so the question that I had was na name the other and you're not, <laughs> you can't right now, right? Not at this point. Not at this point. But we, I mean, we do have a lot of football to go, but he is definitely making his, his claim. Four turnovers that this defense got in the first half, 
but the offense struggled. Could what when if you put your thumb on, you get out of the half, okay, with only fourteen points. Now I know you fumbled in the end zone on the first drive, whatever, but you know, the four turnovers were after that. Could if you had to put your thumb on that first half of why you walked out of half with only fourteen points, what would it be? Too conservative, you know, too conservative, running the ball, trying to run clock. That uh after that fourth turnover, so the way it worked out, so state goes up 14, nothing. They forced the, they get those three interceptions in a row there that that fourth possession uh, for Arizona. So they put wild. together, they put together a 19 play drive, right? And, <laughs> right. and Mississippi state forces a fumble to, to keep them scoreless. Uh, they return it about 20 yards. They got it at their own 41 yard line. All right. And Zach Arnett and the headset told the offense coordinator, like, Hey, 19 play drive for a defense. Let's, let's run some clock here and give them a chance to keep, keep you know, get a breather. And Arnett said Monday that that was the wrong choice. There, there was a chance there late in the first half for Mississippi State to to take a shot to go up twenty-one nothing. Instead, they kind of played a conservative uh, to try to run some clock. They end up with a missed field goal. Arizona goes down, scores a touchdown right before half, and completely you know flips the momentum going into halftime. That's that's what it's got to be for State. And I don't know if some of it's a result of a you know relatively young coaching staff. You know, sometimes you you get a bit too conservative and you say, Oh, you know, this is working. Don't want to go away from it. But then, then teams kind of start to catch on. I think that's what happened in the Arizona game state, especially with some of the struggles that we've seen from this LSU secondary early in the season. Right. It, it's gotta be, it's gotta be some vintage Will Rogers, right? It doesn't have to be 60 passes in a game, but, but he's got to go out there, take some shots downfield. If it's an interception, you know, so be it. Sometimes you, you can, you can play the field position game. Sometimes a pick, can be the same as a punt, right? But mm-hmm. but it, you know you got to take shots. You got to keep that LSU defense on its heels because if if they're anticipating run on every play, the LSU defensive front is too good to to not take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, I don't want to say that Mississippi State only has one wide receiver. We just haven't seen enough from the other guys outside yeah. of Griffin, you know. And so I'm like, okay, well, hey, that, that I know that dude's gonna get his. Okay, yeah. like, right? And so, when I look at it, I'm like, well, everybody else hasn't got enough of a chance it, it, so far. Let's see what happens. Here's the biggest thing. I don't know uh, if you heard me earlier. The biggest thing for me, Sean Preston, Johnson, and uh, Watson, or uh, Watson, my goodness. <laughs> I, it, they it are really, they are really have- good defensively. Stephen. It doesn't hurt to have 60 year guys on defense, right? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Now they should start their own podcast, Watson and Johnson. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you, you yeah, I heard you talking about uh making sure you trademark that. <laughs> I'm going to trademark it. They, you could sell it, sell it to them. Yeah, you know, you know what I wanted this want some signed gear in the studio here, you know, like <laughs> ah, and I'll give it to them. But there look, the, the truth is that you do have three 6 year guys in 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 those three. Sean Preston, the hit that he had to force the fumble, the interception, he has looked fantastic, and so have both linebackers. What have you seen from this team defensively? Yeah, Preston, Preston's kind of, for lack of a better term, been the most important guy to this defense because I they agree. changed. You know, they got rid of three safeties from their starting rotation last year. You needed someone to step up there, and, and they've had guys, you know, throughout the fall camp that, that competed and stuff like that. But Sean was – he's a six-year guy who hasn't really had his chance to shine, you know, at Mississippi State, but he's been patient, didn't transfer – you know, stayed at state and, and waited for his turn. And, and now it's here and he's got to kind of kind of has that chance to take advantage of it. And he's done so, so far. Right. So he's, there's no doubt with the changes in the secondary, he had to be the guy and he's been that guy so far. And and like you said, I mean, with, with Watson and Johnson, it's, you know, it, you almost feel like you're, you're taking them for granted at this point, watching them. But when you got guys that are so experienced and you know what you're going to get from them, right? Like 
you know that they they know where they got to be. They right. know they can they can read a play you know before it even happens. I mean, Jed Johnson had some plays. I mean, his stat, you see a stat line from that game: eleven tackles, two, uh, two picks, tackles loss, a sack, two interceptions. Right. I mean, it's just a, a crazy stat line, and it's, it, it's so much of that is due to experience, though, right? He sees Arizona. He sees kind of the the formation they have, or something like that, and and he knows what's coming. And and you would imagine at this point. You know, having faced Brian Kelly and, and Jaden McDaniels or Jane Daniels, I should say, um, you know, last year that that he understands kind of what this team's looking to do. And, and same with Nathaniel Watson. You, you can't coach experience. Um, and, and that's what's made those two guys you know, so good on top of the fact that they're both really explosive and really athletic and talented. Mississippi State was kind of written off by everybody to some extent unfairly to, because of the unfortunate events with Mike Leach. But I'm not saying this just because you're here. They got dudes, man. I mean, they have dudes. When you look at this game, though, specifically between LSU and Mississippi State, if there's one thing that you want to – like, you want your biggest question to be answered, what is that going into this one? It, it's going to be how Mississippi State maintain or contains Jaden Daniels because, you know, last year when, when that LSU offense finally started to click and, and they turned around that 13 nothing deficit – Daniels was was multidimensional, right? He right. was able to throw the ball. He was able to run the ball. Um, and, and State had some troubles with Jaden Delora last week from Arizona of trying to contain him. When he, when he got out of the pocket, he, he made some plays happen. Right. Um, that that's the biggest thing for State. They've had troubles the last couple of years of, of containing you know mobile quarterbacks who can hurt you in both ways. Uh, that's the big thing. They got to find ways to to not just get the pass rush to Jaden Daniels, but also contain him in the pocket and get to him before he can get out of the pocket. And make some plays with those legs. That's, I feel like most teams that go up against LSU will say that. Um, but just with with state struggles the last couple of years with quarterbacks like that, um, it it you can't deny that it's it's the biggest thing. What do you attribute that to? Do you think it's because Arnett is so aggressive and sending in blitzes? Like, what do you attribute that to? I think that that's part of it. I think part of it too. The state, you know, the last few years were just so weird when you look at Mississippi State's history along the defensive line. They haven't really had a a great defensive end that can really come off the edge and, and, you know, lit up, light up a quarterback, you know, very quickly. Right. It, right. It's kind of been a, a, a team rush for lack of a better term that they've needed, you know, multiple guys to, to come together to get some of those big pass rushes. It, it's strange that state doesn't have, you know, you look at Jeffrey Simmons and, and Montez sweat and Fletcher Cox. I mean, the guys that have come through, you know, Mississippi state for them to not have a guy on a defensive line like that right now, it's, it, it's a challenge for them. And, and they haven't really had, that type of guy to really change a game and, and make a quarterback uneasy uh, in the pocket on any given snap. All right, a couple more for you. i get you out of here. Thank you so much for your time. No what do you think – what have you What have you assessed from Zach Arnett? Because I got to tell you, man, secretly, like if, if it was just me and you and me and you were having a bourbon back on the back patio watching a I'm game, good. I would be – like I'm rooting for him. I mean, obviously not against a team that we cover and LSU, yeah. whatever – but I'm rooting for him. He was dealt a really bad hand. But, man, like, even the slip-up this weekend with Kublik, all right? Like, yeah. I I love that, okay? <laughs> what have you assessed from Zach Garnett? It, it just feels like to me from the outside looking in, the moment hasn't been too big for him, and that went and meant a lot for him against Arizona. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too. The the Kublik moment, too, is funny because <laughs> – so great. <laughs> so after great. after – you know, it was kind of an ugly win, and it had some fans uneasy. And I think the perfect way to break some tensions was kind of to, to screw up like that <laughs> out there, <laughs> right? right. Um, but but I think it's 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 like you were saying there. I think he, he's become a very easy guy to root for, especially for folks in Starkville. 
um, you know, he's a new, he's a guy from New Mexico, but he's really, you know, bought into to being a, a Mississippi guy now and has kind of fit the, the culture and, and the personality of so many people in Starkville and, and Northeast Mississippi um, that, that they've really kind of started to, to rally around him, especially then when you add on top of, you know, circumstances that he went through and, and you know, not only is that a coaching staff and players who, who knew Mike Leach personally that were mourning, you know, they're, they're, that's a fan base that really, you know, right. was was really getting close with Mike and, and really got to know him and, and had a lot of respect for what he was doing. You know, it was tough for the fans, too, to go through that loss. And I think throughout all that, the community rallied and really rallied around Zach Barnett and wanted to keep building what Mike Leach had been building the last, you know, three seasons at Mississippi State, the momentum that they were able to get, you know, on the field, on the recruiting trail, um, things of that nature. They, they really wanted Zach Arnett to be the guy to, to keep that moving forward. And he's done a good job with it, right? Because under tough circumstances, he was able to secure a top 30 signing class. He was able to, you know, quickly make changes to the coaching staff and, and do what he felt was right moving forward. You know, was able to to deal with things in the transfer portal and get some big additions and, and get some, you know, key players like Watson and Johnson. We keep talking about, you know, getting them back. He was able to do so much so quick under such horrible circumstances um, that it's really made him an easy guy, at least for the people in Starkville. And, and like you allude to there, even people outside of Starkville um, to root for. All right, last one for you here. The biggest question that you'll field all week. Is Saban done? <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like most of your listeners want me to say yes. Well, um, I mean, continue, continue. I'm not continue. I, I, I won't say he's done. You know, the problem is, is, is Saban done, you know, having an Alabama team that's going to, uh, go to the playoff every year and win a national title every year. Yeah, that's done because the, there's more parity. I think Georgia is probably the, the key to some of Alabama's lack of, lack of success right, right. now. Um, but is Saban done having a you know perennial top 10 program every season? Probably not because the talent's too good. You know, would it, would it surprise you if, if at the end of this year, Bama's one loss was that game to Texas? I mean, it wouldn't be too surprising, right? It, right. Now, Based on how they played against Texas, it would be kind of surprising. But if we got to November and they were eleven and one, it wouldn't be too surprising, right? So I, I don't think he's done having a, a top ten program, a top five program. Um, but but it's getting more and more difficult to, to win national titles because not only is Georgia as good as they are, but you know Michigan's they're, God, they're they look so good every year. Yeah. Florida State's good. Washington, Tennessee. I mean, look at the Pac twelve, USC. Um, there, there's a lot of good teams right now that can compete with Alabama. Um, and, and it's weird because Pamela's not winning that, that battle in the trenches and, and on the defensive and offensive line, it's weird to see. Um, so yes, yes and no to answer your question. Well, and you know, it, it's crazy because you wouldn't be surprised if they went eight and four, nine and three. Yeah. You also wouldn't be surprised if they go 11 and one. That's so drastic when you only have 13 of these things, right? Like yeah. that's such a drastic shift. So, uh, you're, you're still an AP voter, correct? Correct. Yeah. Where did you put them this week? Bama. Yeah, Bama. I, I had them at number ten, if I remember correctly. Okay. So that was, I think that's where they ended up, right? Was was I think number so. ten. I think so. I might have, maybe I had them at eleven, but it was it was around where where they were. You know, it's I, I could see the argument for them being lower, to be honest. Um, right. I think part of it is the understanding of you know the roster that they have and the talent that they have, and, and it, it's going to keep them in the top ten. You know, and, and people will give them the benefit of the doubt, um, but. You know, are they a for sure top 10 team right now? I mean, you look at some of the teams below them, like in Oregon, look at how they're playing. Uh, um, you know, I mentioned Washington. Washington actually might be just above them now. But Oregon, Utah, look at the way they're playing. LSU, if, if they can bounce back from, from that Florida State loss. Like, there's teams below Bama right now, uh, which is really surprising to say. It's it's hard to imagine that a team ranked, you know, 13 or 14 can be better than Alabama. But it's 
when the offenses are what they are today and your secondary for a second straight year is not looking too good, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, he it just look it, everybody's like it just look doesn't look like Nick, and everybody's like this isn't right. All right, Stefan yeah. so Krajnik of the Clarion Ledger. Thank you so much, buddy. I got your name right this year. <laughs> I, I feel I'm gonna be honest. I, I feel accomplished here on a Tuesday. That, there you go. You're already you already got your biggest one of the year right there. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, man. That was fantastic. I agree with him, man. And like we said before he came on, I know that there's a philosophy of keeping Jaden in the pocket. You're going to have to get on the outside with him. And look, this game specifically, you kind of go to Jaden and get in his ear and say, hey, man, they suck against dudes that can run like you. Suck. Let that man get on the outside and do some things. All right. From one guest to another, we go to Zach Nagy of LSU Country and Sports Illustrated. We'll talk to the LSU side. He spoke with players today. We'll get to that as well. But let's talk to our about our good friends over the Drake Williams Law Firm. DrakeWilliamsLawFirm.com and our good friend Steve Bean over at Bayou Dakeries and Bayou Boldigo. By the Drake Williams Law Firm, DrakeWilliamsLawFirm.com. Whether you've been injured in an accident, you're preparing for a future with your estate planning, you're getting ready to close in on a real estate deal, or you're about to welcome a new addition through adoption into your family, or you're facing criminal charges, you need very experienced attorneys, and that is what the Drake Williams Law Firm will be able to do for you in navigating the legal system. The door to their cozy office in historic downtown Ponchatoula has been open since 1981. They have helped thousands and thousands of Louisiana families and individuals win cases, close on real estate deals, and regain that peace of mind. Their lawyers over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, Ernie Drake III, Ryan J. Williams, and Summer Vignair are very determined, compassionate, and dedicated to their craft. It's the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Give them a call today at 985-386-7600. Tell them your good friend Blake Rafino at AYS sent you on by. Bayou Daiquiri's at Bayou Bowling Go is owned and operated locally by Steve and Lisa Bean. You can find them at 1512 North Highway 190 in Covington, Louisiana. That's 1512 North Highway 190 in Covington. The North Shore's first crawfish drive-thru is about to step it up another notch by bringing you drive through daiquiris as well. You can call in your order today at 985-888-1914. 985-888-1914. Cause you know what? Daiquiris and crawfish. It's a Louisiana thing. We're back. <laughs> Zach Nagy, LSU or LSU Country of Sports Illustrated. Good evening. Good sir. How are you today? Doing well. Doing well about yourself. Learn anything today from the three players that you were able to speak to in media availabilities. It was good. We got Malik Neighbors, which was kind of a change of scenery. We don't really get to talk to him uh, too, too much. Good stuff from him as always. You know, people forget that he was committed to Mississippi State before, you know, yeah, ended up right. LSU. That's so he right. was kind of giving us the rundown a little bit. I put something out on Twitter about that as well. But him just kind of detailing, you know, the, the process behind it all, like once Ed Orgeron and, you know, everybody got in his ear and officially offered him. and Kind of just talking about the process of flipping from one program to the next. It was, it was super interesting stuff. Makai Wingo is a pleasure as always. And then Emory Jones, class act. Uh, he was kind of just talking about the run game and just really how it's kind of nice having so many, you know, so many guys in your stable for the running back room. So just a lot of productive stuff from those three. 
Zach, Grambling in the first quarter had 173 yards against his defense. It's Grambling. Either that, you know, guys can be playing down. Yeah, it's Grambling, whatever. Offense scored 72 points. There's a lot. I don't want to overreact and underreact to Grambling, either which way. But, man, 173 yards in the first quarter on them is not good, buddy. It's not good at all. Yeah, and, you know, everybody's going to sit back and talk about the the secondary and, you know, kind of circle that position group. and, and Again. But, you know, it, obviously, that, that was it wasn't impressive in the slightest. But to me, you know, I'm looking at the defensive line, allowing Chance Williams, their running back, and credit to him. You know, he, he was a, he's a super talented player. He shined, you know, in Tiger Stadium. It was a big game for him. But to allow him to rush over 100 yards on less than 10 carries is not something that this defensive line should be doing in the slightest. And obviously it was Mason Smith's return and continuity is going to form eventually. But, you know, in my opinion, I'm looking at the defensive line as a position group that really needs to get their act together quickly, especially against a Mississippi State team this weekend who's starting to kind of incorporate the run game into their offense now under Zach Arnett. So, I'm looking at that defensive line as a group that really needs to, you know, get things going. You know, Zach, there's a philosophy that if you can get home with four, that means there's more guys in the back end to cover. Or you need to send more guys, if you're unable to get pressure, to help out the secondary. Is there anything specific that you think that they need to do to start helping this DB unit and start generating some pressure? Is there one thing that you put your thumb on? I feel like the answer that everybody kind of would want me to say here would be have Harold Perkins rush off the edge and allow him to do what he does best. And it's the, you know, see ball, get ball type mentality that Brian Kelly's been talking about. I really think if you allow him to if you utilize his skill set in the best way and allow him to kind of be a versatile weapon, whether it's working him in at inside linebacker as well, and then also throwing him on the edge, you know, you kind of get a, a two-headed snake there. But in my opinion, you know, it's all going to start with the big guys up front. You have to get in the backfield and put some pressure on Will Rogers and, rest of the quarterbacks for the foreseeable future in my opinion but yeah i mean that's that's gonna that's gonna take some pressure off the off the secondary and that's a given that's a, that's a casual take do you think that there's going to be any more personnel changes in that outside of denver harris you think ashton stamp seems some more time what do you think happens i mean if we're sticking strictly with the secondary i mean i i, I can't really see too many things switching up you know you're, you're gonna have major burns out there you're gonna have andre sam out there you could see them maybe try to put Sage Ryan in the fold, but I'm not quite sure that's going to be the case either. You know, you're going to have Zy Alexander on that one side, and it's going to be interesting who, who lines up on the boundary next to him. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Denver Harris out there again. I don't think Ashton Stamps is, is quite ready for SEC competition just yet. Uh, last night I was talking to some people and saying that you need to throw him in the fire eventually, but I don't think this is the one just yet. Yeah, because, you know, if you take him away from Tutu Griffin and just ask him to cover the other dude, if he gets beat, he gets beat because you haven't seen them on film yet either, and, and look, maybe you give him some reps, kind of like the Cordell Flott method, right? You know that I, Dave, I like that. That's really mm -hmm. you know like the Dave Aranda Cordell Flott method to see you know look if he gets beat, okay, he gets beat on a play. It you know it is what it is. Zach Nagy, LSU Country Sports Illustrated. Um, anything else you took away from the Grambling game? I mean, look, Jaden Daniels was impressive, and it's an inferior opponent, and everybody's going to use that as the headliner. It's like, yeah, he threw five first-half touchdowns against Grambling, and sure, that, that, that's a fine that's – that's valid. It's a valid take, in my opinion. But, you know, to see him go through his progressions, to see him hit some intermediate passes was something that I liked. Obviously, we didn't see what you and I like to see with those deep shots of 20-plus yards, and 
You and I have harped on that for the last couple of weeks, couple of months. Um, but it was impressive to see him go through his progressions, go through his reads, utilize all of his weapons, kind of, you know, use Chris Hilton, use Malik, use Brian Thomas, Kyron. He, he utilized everybody who was on the field, and I thought that was super impressive. And then, you know, you and I, we love Caleb Jackson. So to see Yeah, look good, man. Field, look good. Yeah, that's our guy, man. I'm big on him. You know I love Pimpton. Um, but I'm a big fan of, of Caleb Jackson and that true freshman, uh, you know, arsenal that they have. So to see Caleb Jackson do what he does best was was super promising. And, you know, Logan Diggs as well. I think your running back room is in an extremely solid position at this point in time, especially with John Emery coming back as well. Zach, I'm sorry we're kind of crunching in on a little bit of time. So I got I got a pair for you just really quickly. Yeah. What do you think the one thing that you're looking forward at Mississippi State? If you walk out of that building on Saturday, hey, this is the one thing that LSU accomplished, and that's why they won. I want to see them utilize a balanced offensive attack once again. They did it versus Grambling, and I thought it was super impressive. You saw Jaden Daniels utilize his arm, and, and that was that was super promising in my opinion. But continuing to carry your success on the run game uh, from Grambling into this week is something that I need to see. 300 yards on the ground is super impressive in my opinion. Certainly an inferior opponent, as I said a minute ago. But, you know, to, to do that and utilize the weapons that you have in that room was impressive. So you, you need to see Caleb Jackson, Logan Diggs shine. Josh Williams will do his thing as well. And then, you know, kind of work, you know, John Emery into the fold as well and utilize all the weapons that you have. Yeah, because right he's back. Exactly. Uh, so you got do, everybody. Do you think um, – who comes in – last question for you. Who do you think comes in for Omar Spates? It's an interesting question. I, I mean, Greg Penn is somebody who needs to stay on the field all the time. Um, right. Omar Spates is probable for this weekend. Uh, we'll see what his status is come tomorrow when we talk to – or Thursday, rather, when we talk to Brian Kelly. But – Omar Space is prob probable for this weekend, so I expect to see him on the field. But when he's rotating in and out, you need to keep Greg Penn on the field. And, you know, I'd love to see West Weeks, man. I'm I'm so big on what West Weeks brings this team. Obviously, his brother Witt is a dog as well. But, man, I love what West is going to bring in the future. That's somebody that, you know, LSU Nation needs to have circled because we all think West Weeks is going to be something special long-term for this program. I agree. And, oh, Spates has just looked like he's been playing a little hurt too. So we'll see. Somebody mentioned that to me the other day too. He kind of looked a step off in that Grambling game, and he didn't dress out for the second second half. He was in you know right. street clothes, so step behind. But hopefully this week he can you know get back on track. Thank you so much, buddy. Tell everybody Anytime where they can catch you. all your stuff, man. Of course, appreciate it, man. All right, that's Zach Nagy, LSU Country Sports Illustrated. We got to get out of here. We're crunched on time. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.